I think when I was asked uh, by Keith to come and, uh, and speak in the time that he was going to be on sabbatical, I felt pretty immediately um, just a real sense in which um, I, I needed to bring a particular word to Linfield. Um, so this is what I believe the Spirit is saying to you here in this congregation. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. It's a given. God is doing a new thing. It's not a matter of debate. If you look around the world today, you will see he is doing a new thing. If you went to Reading, <laughs> you would very definitely see he is doing a new thing. Yes, even just a few miles away. And this scripture really says to you and me, it reminds us of something pretty fundamental, doesn't it? That it's his work from start to finish. He's the one that's doing the new thing. It's a given. It's not a matter of debate. It's not a matter of taste. It's not a matter of comfort. He is doing a new thing. But it's a matter of choice for us as to whether we connect with it. So let's see what we've got. So my question to you this morning has to be, what, looking deep in your heart, what is your attitude towards the new thing that God is doing? Scripture talks a lot about attitudes. Uh, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Wow, that's a pretty biggie. Philippians 2.5. Um, I, I love to also refer to Matthew 5 at the beginning, the Beatitudes. It's all about attitudes. It's all about the manifesto of the kingdom. So what will your attitude be? What will my attitude be when God's doing a new thing? And I'm kind of thinking, wow, God, you know? <laughs> I, I have a phrase, actually. It probably will apply to Dorking pretty soon, and it's, that's another fine mess you got me into, Lord. <laughs> But the brilliant thing is, when he gets you into it, and you've called, been called into it, he sorts it, doesn't he, really? From start to finish. The one who calls is faithful, and he will do it. 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Just a scripture that comes into my heart. So, what will our attitude be? Firstly, are we wanting a new thing? Are we hungry how hungry are you for God to do a fresh thing in your life, in this congregation, in our nation? Do you just want a Sunday snack? Or do you want the full works, the full banquet? You and I need to make that choice. How hungry are you? Secondly, are you actually waiting for it are you kind of on the edge of your seat thinking when's it gonna happen lord you know you know and it can't happen sooner lord uh, are you expectant um it's a bit like uh, mary isn't it really are you pregnant 
with the promise of God in your life? Are you wanting it to be brought to birth? So are we wanting a new thing? Are we waiting for a new thing? Are we expectant? And then thirdly, of course, the question has to come. Are you going to welcome the new thing that God is doing? Are you going to be open to the new thing that God is, going to, is doing? Do you know the reality is that he's in the change business? He's going to change you and he's going to change me. And, and that's whether you like it or not. And he find a way of doing that. It's far better for me to cooperate with him and let him do the heart surgery he needs to do and to carve the edges off my life and, and, and the attitudes and soften my heart than basically head the other way because he'll still keep hold of you and he'll still make it happen somehow or another, maybe through a crisis or something in your life. That's our God. That's his sovereign hand upon you and me. So are we, are we welcoming the new thing? Because it's going to change us. And then, of course, are we going to walk in the new thing? You can welcome it and say, wow, it's fantastic what God's doing. And just be a spectator. Um, just kind of, you know, watch it and think, ah, oh, yes. You know, God's doing something fresh. But hey, you know, I'll, I'll just observe for a while, kind of see whether it's okay. Instead of jump in. Um, I think sometimes we need to embrace new challenges, learn new ways for the sake of this community. And then they will see dynamic Christian community at its best. So we need to discover the new thing and walk in it. Um, it's only when you take the first step that you begin a journey. If you don't take the first step, you haven't begun the journey. And you know, I think probably one of the, one of the, one of the verses of scripture in, in the gospels that kind of sends shivers up my spine every time I look at it is John 12, 24. Uh, except a seed fall to the ground and die, it remains a single seed. And that's true of your life and my life. Unless we're prepared to die to self, unless we're prepared to surrender all to our Savior and kneel before the throne of grace, then, then he, he, what he does will be confined to our flesh and it won't be much. It might be pleasant, it might not be unpleasant, but if he gets hold of your life in a new way, he would do something that is awesome. And it will all be about him from start to finish. It's like a kind of a blank page. And I, I kind of felt as I was praying for you that you're, you're, you're kind of turning the page at the moment. And uh, it would be lovely, wouldn't it, if written on that page was kind of instructions. You know, it's you. But actually, I think the page is blank. Because I think the Lord would say to you, you are faithful. Uh, you, you are, he, he is the lover of your soul. But you need in faith to write the chapter and he will bless. Um, gosh, that's a responsibility. But hear the word of the Lord to you this day. Such a, 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 a 
new page will, will undoubtedly be costly. It will involve sacrifice. Um, it will be cross-shaped. That's the nature of the people of God. That is what makes us different. So, it's like a, a pregnancy, really. Not that I've ever been pregnant, but I have on good authority <laughs> that uh, pregnancy does rather change um, everything. And certainly when a new life is born, wow, we've just got two, our first two grandchildren over the last three years. Wow, you know, they're coming tonight, actually, so really looking forward to that. But it's, it's just fantastic, isn't it, just to see the potential of new life and new hope. Um, but it's all about change, as any parents honestly will tell you. So I want to ask you to check out your attitude this morning. Because if we have that attitude, um, I think we would discover the joy of the process of going from old to new. And you're not going to like this process. Before I tell you what it is, I'm going to guarantee you're not going to like the process. You're not going to volunteer for this process. Um, But this is the process. This is what scripture says the process is of going from the old to the new. What does scripture firstly say? It says we we need to be pruned like a branch. Any any gardeners here doing lots of pruning? (laughs) And if you don't prune it, don't, you don't, it doesn't happen next year, does it? Or it doesn't, you know. And if, if it's fruit, you, you get even more fruit when you prune. And, uh, but he needs to take his pruning hook to your life and my life. And he needs to sovereignly work um, a, a work of grace in our lives to make us more fruitful. Do you want to be more fruitful? Then allow him to prune. Ouch. But it's necessary. Secondly, we need to be refined as silver. Malachi 3.3 gives us that picture of the refiner um, and the silver. There's there's some lovely stuff there, a separate message about the refiner seeing his image in the silver. But I won't go there because I'll be off script and it would take longer. But this is all about purifying my heart. So that the dross falls away. So all the other stuff, the secondary stuff in my life falls to the ground. So that, you know, I can truly be all for Jesus. Not just singing all for Jesus. But actually the evidence of my life says all for Jesus. Pruned as a branch, refined as silver. Oof. Next one's really painful. Threshed as wheat. Um... You know, sometimes we need to go on to the threshing floor. It's interesting, David's threshing floor in 1 Samuel is the area in which the temple was eventually built. It's, uh, uh, there's some interesting tie-ups there. Um, we need, to, we need to, to literally allow him to do his work in our lives. And then thir- fourthly, we need to be flooded like a riverbed. I love the Ezekiel 47 image of the, the, the river flowing from the temple. And it trickles out to begin with and then it gets a little bigger. And it's ankle deep and a little bigger and it's knee deep and a little bigger. It's up to your middle and then 
Hey, it's carrying you along. Isn't it interesting? The further it gets away from the temple, the greater the river. You know, we, the more we go out from this place as the people of God, the more, the further we go, the greater his blessing. How about that for a good <laughs> scriptural principle? Uh, we need not to be just paddling or letting the, you know, or, 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 or letting it come up to our waist. Even we need to allow the current to take us. Uh, notice the riverbed was dry, and then it's filled. Uh, there are a lot of dry riverbeds around that you and I, as the people of God, need to start to inhabit and bring the very, you know, the fountain of God, the fountain of grace to bear. So we have a choice here in terms of the process, and I'm going to term it like this. You can either be a spiritual connoisseur or an active celebrant. You can either kind of, you know, just, no, I know all there is to know about these things. I've been a Christian 50 years, you know, I, don't, I think I've been a Christian 47 years now, so I'm pretty close to that. You know. Um, so, you know, I, you can't tell me anything, can't, you know, teach me new tricks. It's just not true, is it, really? It's, it's a complete cop-out for you and I. He can always show me something new and fresh. And, you know, us going to Dorking, leaving a, a thriving evangelical congregation to go to a congregation that is not in that place... Because of the call of God, is us saying, God, we don't know how this is going to happen, but you do. We're going to take it step by step and see your glory in that town. But most of us don't want to bear that cost. But we need to. For the sake of the cities and towns of this nation. So I want you to be an active celebrant, not just a spiritual connoisseur. So few final thoughts maybe even a few two lots of final thoughts so different processes here we need to go from ritual to relationship that's how the body of christ works it works on relationship and not on ritual we need to be real we need to be people-centered totally people-centered not task-orientated people-orientated we need to move from pride, and so many of us still have spiritual pride in our lives, to, to replacing that pride with passion, a passion for the lost, a godly passion um, that, that leads to compassion. You know, you get passion, then you'll get compassion. You can't have compassion without passion, I don't think. I think that's how it works. And you and I need both. So we need that passion. We need, to, we need to move from parochialism to a heart for a whole city or region, or in your case here, the heart for Linfield, you know. So there is only one church in Linfield. There are many congregations. There is only one church. It's called the Body of Christ. And let's rejoice when the body of Christ impacts this. However that happens, however God does it, and whomever God does it with, let's rejoice and pray for that to be so.
He does it his way. I've noticed that, and I guess you have too. We need to be in a place where instead of pronouncing judgment, we are announcing grace. You know, this is a bit of a learning curve I've been on over the years. Uh, It's very easy to stand back and point the finger, isn't it, really? Just forget, as the Sunday school teacher taught me 50 years ago, three are pointing back towards me. Um, We can make ourselves look good, but actually, what do we achieve? And and much of the, the, the feeling of people beyond these doors is that we are judging them. So you need to work hard to be a grace community. You need to be a community, I I call it, with ragged edges. Not with strong edges that says who's acceptable and who isn't, who's in, who's out. How dare we decide who's in Jesus' church and who's not? I mean, who the heck are we to, to think that, let alone decide it? We need to be an embracing community. You need to let Jesus build his church because I'm not able to do that and nor are you. We need to move from music to worship. I think you're probably getting that one. Uh, Every time I've been here, apart from in August with your worship band and and I think you're a congregation who knows how to worship but maybe you need to press more into that. Maybe you need to open yourself more It's very easy to sing songs, isn't it? What does Matt Redman, you know, it's more than a song. Um, I want to get back to the heart of worship and it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Is our worship all about Jesus or is it about us? Oh, I like that song. Don't like that song. Oh, I thought the worship leader was good this morning. I thought the worship leader really blew it this morning. Goodness me. We need to get over that, don't we? Because you can say that about the preacher as well. You know, roast preacher, Sunday lunch, favorite meal. But heck, what does it matter whether you think I'm a good preacher or a bad preacher? What matters is that Jesus is exalted in our midst, that he's lifted up, that we go home more full of him and more able in the power of the spirit to do the stuff that he did than when we came here. So let's get over ourselves and our tastes, which are just that, tastes, and start to focus again upon Jesus, from music to worship, from church to kingdom. So again, we put so much emphasis upon the institution of the church. I don't think Jesus is interested at all in the institutional church. That's why some of it's going to go, probably even in our lifetimes. And so be it, Lord. As long as the kingdom is going to be extended, as long as the body of Christ remains effective, I don't mind how it's done, and I shouldn't tie him down to how he does it either. So from church to kingdom. Final one, it's a bit of a play on words, from prison to cell. Some of us are locked in legalism. Um, You know, we, and, and, and that's, you need, there's a great book called The Grace Awakening. Um, Charles Swin- Swindle um, if you ever get time read it, it is one of the most phenomenal books, even better than what's amazing about grace, it's called The Grace Awakening you can find it on Amazon but grace is, is, is what we're about, we are a grace community, 
And, and we need to get rid of that legalism. Uh, cell, cell is talking about small groups, cell groups. We need, to, instead of being locked in, in our own legalism, to share our hearts with a small group of people week on week. You can't do it in a gathering this size, but you can um, in, a, in a small group of 12. So now it springs up, says Isaiah. Do you not perceive it? So, hey, we need to dare to dream. We need to step out in faith. Um, one more step along the world I go, perhaps. Um, do you know a man called John Wesley stepped out in faith? You know, he blew it as a missionary in Americas, but on the way back through the Moravians, he became a Christian. He had his heart strangely warmed at Aldersgate Street. Within 30 years, he had seen, with Whitfield alongside him, really, in many respects, he'd seen this, the gospel basically go to the ends of Britain. <laughs> you know, everyone, everyone heard the gospel in 30 years. He spent 30 years discipling um, men, and releasing them into fruitful ministry. 30 years followed where people went to the ends of the earth with the Gospels. All the main missionary societies were formed. LMS, CMS, BMS, all of those things. Everyone, you know, Kerry to China, um, Judson to India, Livingstone to Africa. You know, you know all the names. Do you know what happened in 1830? By 1830, they'd lost the plot because the next generation hadn't picked it up. The class system in Methodism had lost its way. Do you know what they did instead? They built church buildings, Victorian buildings. And if someone built a building in another congregation that was tall, they built theirs taller. And they competed with each other. And yes, some of them were full for a season, but actually it was an utter preoccupation to taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. We need to get over our focus on buildings and start to get on with the job of being modern day missionaries. We need to look for the new thing that God is doing and we need to say, Lord, open my eyes. Let me perceive it. So there's a process here. We need to discern what he's doing we need to perceive it, you know, get, it, get our hearts around it, understand it, and then act on it. There's no point in understanding it and then doing nothing about it. It's a process. So, let me finish with a kind of a, this is a gospel flourish at the end of the message, all right? Because I don't know where each of you are as individuals. But if you're locked up in sin... This morning, you need to find a saviour. And the saviour is Jesus. And if you're in this place this morning and you've never surrendered your life to him, I would delight in helping you do that, as would many in this congregation. Secondly, if you're locked up in religion, then for goodness sake, free yourself from that prison and find freedom. Freedom in Christ. Free to be the man or woman that he always intended you should be. And if you're locked up by the church, then you need to find the kingdom. Sometimes, dare I say it, the very structures of our church mitigate against us doing the things 
that Jesus did. And there's a word to the elders to maybe look at those things in the months to come.